0: Anything that crosses my mind that seems to be of interest, I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Acupuncture Outsider. This is Richard Hazel and this week I am going to... Hmm, um, I'm going to do something that will get me some flack from some perfectionists in the acupuncture community, but it's for the greater good in my opinion. So I'm gonna do it. Um, I wanna share a protocol for knee pain. And there are many people who do not like even the term protocol. They don't like the idea of a protocol. They will scoff at it. Um, it's simplicity will get it written off. Um, but, um, it reminds me of the, the, I think it's Voltaire who said, do not let perfection be the enemy of the good. So the good is the 80 or maybe even 90% of people who will respond very well for the my knee pain protocol and probably toward the end or somewhere as I'm going along, I will explain the outliers. I will explain the butt clause that I think some people will want to either share or to have to hear me say, because, um, I think one of the reasons you won't hear uh, this sort of protocol from any or most acupuncture educators is because of our ego. If I tell you something that will help 80 or 90% of your patients, especially if you are new to either acupuncture in general as an acupuncturist or new to this style of acupuncture, which is more neuroanatomical, focused on muscles, Um, the function of joints, I should say, by correcting muscle imbalances. Um, If you are new to either, this protocol is for you, because when you're new, you can feel overwhelmed by all of the possibilities And as good educators, people have filled your mind with lots of possibilities for knee pain. And you won't really know where to start sometimes. You'll just be like, oh my god. This person has multiple complications. So where do I even begin? How do I know it's not coming from their back? How do I know since they haven't had imaging, what if it's a soft tissue injury? What if it's an ACL strain, what, and then how will I adjust my treatment with that in mind? What if it's an MCL or, you know, what if it's meniscal? How will I treat? Well, can I even treat osteoarthritis? What's the protocol for treating osteoarthritis? Am I supposed to do high frequency stim or low frequency stim? Do I need to put needles under the patella? What are my options? Um, it's so easy to get um, really overwhelmed by the information that you may have learned from somebody. So I want to kind of give you a go-to for at least the first visit for a knee pain patient, especially if you just don't know where to start or you're new. And I'll explain the underlying rationale for this protocol so that you un- one, you understand that I actually know something and two, um, to hopefully uh, stave off some percentage of the people who will want to send me a message and tell me well what about this and what about that um, the point of what I'm going to explain is for you to get very good results for the, in the first one, two, and maybe third, three visits for knee pain for most people. Um, sometimes it's uh, first visit, knee pain is gone. So then I still have them follow up because you don't know how their week's going to go, and you want to make sure. If it is going to come back, that they're on the books and they're ready to come in a week later for the follow up. And at that point, they're sold already. They already know you can get them out of pain. Their pain, if it did come back, is not as bad. Um, and they're totally all in and are going to let you treat. So here is the protocol that I'm recommending for anyone who is new, anyone who is new to this style of acupuncture or people who have felt overwhelmed by the amount of information that they have received of muscle testing this and muscle testing that and what about length testing of this and what about the ankles and what about the hips and what? So here's, here's the protocol. The patient starts face down, prone, okay? You are going to treat their glutes gluteus maximus and gluteus minimus. And you're going to treat their piriformis. And you're going to treat, you're going to use two needles on the hamstrings. One on the semitendinosus, which I believe also gets membranosis, and one for biceps femoris. Okay, those are both midway. Midway between the ischial tuberosity and the tendons of the hamstrings. Midway. Um, and just palpate for that, you know? Feel for the muscle belly. The gluteus maximus and gluteus medius um, motor points, um, not as easy to explain, but I come about four or five fingers out from the uh, top of the gluteal crease. And then for gluteus medius, it's usually about a third of the way from ASI. Uh, sorry, PSIS to uh, top of the greater trochanter. But just palpate. Sometimes you can just feel that tight ropey band that is a trigger point and use that. Um, and then piriformis, you're gonna go from the sort of a midpoint on the sacrum. And if you push in at that attachment where the piriformis is, you'll feel where the piriformis is. So right around the sacrum, right on the border of the sacrum, and the greater trochanter, top of the greater trochanter, go midway. And you should use a 75 millimeter needle for the glutes and the piriformis. So you're going to get those. And you'll go probably 10 minutes with one hertz or two hertz, whatever your preference is, of electric stimulation. Needles are out. You do bilaterally, I would say. I I like to treat bilaterally even if it's um, only one knee that hurts. Keep them even. Keep things functioning on an even level. Otherwise, they come back complaining that the untreated side feels... Different or tight, so you treat that. Take the needles out, have them lie on their side, and now you're going to treat the TFL and the gluteus minimus for up to five minutes. You have to get deep for the gluteus minimus. You've you've heard me say this before. Use a 75 so that you can get down to as deep as possible. Um, if you think you hit bone and you're only halfway there, halfway the half. Of the needle you did not hit bone you hit a very tight gluteus minimus and you need to go a little deeper and then once you've treated them on their side either way both sides then when they're face up you're gonna treat the quads and the gracilis and the last episode about gracilis will explain that but it's for medial knee pain so you're gonna treat vastus medialis rectus femoris and vastus lateralis and those motor points, um, I'm, I won't go into all of them, but um, medialis is about four fingers up from the from the medial border of the patella, uh, rectus femoris about halfway between the ASIS and the top of the knee, and vastus lateralis is almost anywhere um, you want to choose on the vastus lateralis. So you're going to use those four points on each side, and you're going to go up to ten minutes with stim on that. Now. How is that and that's and that's it for at least the first visit um, assuming you know there's not some something else that you already know is going on like an ankle problem lumbar issues um, because there always are other considerations okay but remember when I talked last week about medial knee pain in the pes anserine right semitendinosis is getting treated when they're face down gracilis is getting treated when they're face up. Okay. And very unlikely you're going to have a sartorius issue causing medial knee pain. I'm not saying it's not possible. It's just a low, low percentage. So if, if again, you're beginning and um, you really, you know, you, you really feel overwhelmed, just do these 2 semitendinosus when they're face down, gracilis when they're face up. Okay. Rectus femoris. That's always going to be an issue for patellar tendonitis or patellar knee pain, okay, right under the kneecap. And then the IT band. So you've got the gluteus medius, the gluteus minimus, the TFL, all your abductors, those through fascia have connections to the fascia lata and the IT band. The IT band is a thick part of the fascia lata. So gluteus medius, gluteus, minimus, and TFL. And you treated the piriformis because the piriformis usually overworks for because of glute max um, inhibition. And piriformis will get tight. Piriformis externally rotates the hip, starts to fight against the internal rotators like the TFL and the gluteus minimus. So you're keeping the hip balanced by treating the piriformis. You're helping the TFL and the gluteus minimus to be stronger by not having to be reciprocally inhibited by tight piriformis. Okay. So you, you treat the IT band and the, you, you got You're getting the vastus lateralis when they're face up. So you've got the vastus lateralis biceps femoris, the front and back of the IT band um, complex there. You've got the hip muscles that affect the IT band, the TFL glute min, glute med, and So now you've taken tension off of the IT band that runs down past the lateral part of the knee that causes lateral knee pain, especially on stairs or squatting, anything where you are basically squatting to 90 degrees, then that lateral knee pain is coming from pulling on the patella from the hip, from the IT band. So you've covered lateral pain, you've covered the patellar pain, and you've covered the medial pain, the medial, the, the pes anserine, and you treated vastus medialis. So if it's that, now you've covered that for medial knee pain. You've covered most of the bases for knee pain. Now, there are always going to be outliers. Sometimes the medial knee pain is, is from a valgus strain from maybe the, the same ankle overpronating. Maybe they've got a tight QL that's that's um, creating a leg length discrepancy and that could be putting strain on the knee. Um, maybe they do have some compression in L3, 4, 5. 3, I'm thinking, going to affect more of the hip flexors. 4 and 5, going to be more like hamstrings and quads. Maybe ankle, maybe calves. So, yes, there are... Plenty of ways to have somebody have knee pain, but 80, 90% of your patients are going to get relief from this protocol so that you then have time, you've built confidence with them. Now you have time to dig into those outlying little issues if necessary. Very often they are not necessary. A lot of times they feel better in one or two visits. Now they're telling all their friends about how great you are and they're coming in for their issues, and if their knee pain comes back, they know to come back to you. And you probably already talked to them about maintenance, and you know once a week for a while until you're feeling like everything is good. And if you're going into physical therapy, then definitely come once a month uh, for you know tune up uh, once a month. If you're going back to being um, physically active, you're exercising, you might want to even come uh, once a week for for uh, three or four weeks. Then go to once every two weeks, then go to every uh, month. Assuming everything is feeling good, then, you know, you're going to play it by ear as a patient. Um, but the, the point is don't get too hung up on all the outliers. Uh, as educators, people want you to know the, all the possibilities, okay? They want you to understand tibial rotation, or valgus strain, or tight ad, tight adductors, or uh, meniscus, or, or osteoarthritis. Or, you know, when, when you get caught up in the medical diagnosis, it can feel overwhelming. And then you're thinking, well, with this diagnosis, do I need to put needles under the knee, and do I need to stim it at 120 hertz, and for how long? And as if... Um, that's the only way you're going to get good results. My opinion is if you restore joint function, they will have less pain or no pain. I don't stick needles under people's knees. Um, it's super rare that I've even felt that I needed to do it. I would only do it if I'm feeling baffled by, um, by their knee pain. I have a patient who has such bad post-surgical um adhesion it's i it's a condition and i'm not going to be able to remember the name right off the top of my head but it's almost like frozen shoulder but of the knees after surgery her knees are permanently bent partially bent okay um she comes to me once a month for maintenance and i'm not going to say she lives without pain but she doesn't live with daily pain like she did when she came in to see me And I don't stick needles under her knees and I'll try to get into all that adhesion. Um, I don't know if I even could, I focused on this exact protocol, restoring mobility, restore the function of the joint to the best of your ability. And yes, she's had some outlying things. She's had popliteus, um, getting painful. She's had issues with the gastrocnemius, which also flexes the knees. Um, and you know there there have been bad days for her she does come in when i see her sometimes she tells me okay uh, you know it wasn't perfect this month but you know when things got bad they were only temporarily bad and then i was back to normal um which is great cuz it didn't used to be like that it used to be constant pain for her and she does she is talking she is i think she's going to go i think she's going to new york city a consult because she does want this corrected she doesn't want to spend her you know whatever however much time she has she's already retired um she doesn't want to spend the rest of her life managing these knees she would like to have functional knees so she is going to consider surgery again um but her life her quality of life is so much better by treating this way Restore the function of the joint. Um, I have patients with osteoarthritis of the knees where I treated them, and after the first visit with this treatment, they were pain free. And then, of course, we talked about follow ups. And, you know, sometimes they do need uh, to come back in a, like a month or two months. Um, oh, you know, sometimes it progresses and they will need. Um, some other intervention. but if you restore the function of the joint, they will feel significant improvement, sometimes zero pain even on the first visit. Um, so needless to say, younger patients uh, respond very, very well and very often you know don't even come back for knee pain. They'll come back for some other injury because they're working out at the gym and they're you know they're putting a lot of stress on their body. So I will say, you know, if you feel overwhelmed by the options and all the medical diagnoses, just treat the function of the knee, stabilization from the hip, and see where that gets you. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised if you've felt overwhelmed before, and if any of the muscles that I mentioned were not in your mind, or treating knee pain. Perhaps they were the missing link for you getting a pain-free result after one visit, sometimes two. Um, I mean, I see this happen with people who have been in terrible knee pain, pain sitting, pain standing, pain walking, and feeling significant improvement after the first visit with that protocol. I'm thinking of another patient who had post-surgical knee pain. And the MRI showed everything was good. And she was through a couple rounds of PT over the course of a year and still in terrible pain. And after, um, I don't know, maybe it was three weeks, four weeks, uh, three or four visits, You know, she was able to go hiking with her grandkids in Alaska. um, Very rarely coming back for knee pain, we started working on other things. Once her knees felt better, she realized how bad her neck felt. So we switched to that. But I'm just saying, if I got caught up on the medical diagnosis or even the negative thinking about what is possible and didn't just try to restore the joint function the best I could, then I might have um, I might have not treated functionally and might have focused more locally on the joint the way doctors do, and I think it wouldn't have been as good of a result. I think if you think about function, restoring function, you get a vast better result so i know they're coming after me now (laughs) the perfectionists are going to come after me and they'll be like no in this case you can't do that or you shouldn't do this or um i have never seen that or you know doctors won't let you do this or that um just you know just try just try this protocol um see if i'm wrong i will say that um eventually and this, this goes for all patients, by the way. If they have lived past 30 years, um, you know, think about correcting lower cross syndrome, you know. Think about um, helping them with a tight uh, psoas that will put an anterior pelvic tilt on them and will inhibit their gluteus maximus And, you know, if their glute max is inhibited, then they're more prone to be quad dominant. Especially think about people who go up and down stairs with no glute firing. You know, they're using a lot of piriformis and those deep rotators and they're they're very quad dominant. Then those people are going to be more prone to knee pain. Um, And, you know, low back pain as well. If you put an anterior pelvic tilt on somebody, they're going to have, Increased lumbar lordosis, more strain on the lumbar vertebrae and discs, etc. So you know more low back pain. Um, you know when the glutes are are inhibited, we use more hamstring for different things. Um, pretty much walking forward is propelled by hamstrings mostly. But you know when somebody has to go upstairs or, or walk uphill or they're if they're a runner or the sprinter or doing a lot of exercise. Then the glute max does get involved and then to whatever degree the glute max is inhibited, the hamstrings have to work harder. The low back starts to arch more to improve hip extension. Um, it, you know, low back tries to be a hip extensor, which it fails at. And then they end up in a lot of pain. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot to be considered. Um, you know, I talked a little bit about ankles and how they can cause a valgus strain um, there's a lot to think about there. But when overwhelmed, treat the glutes and hamstrings, then put them on side, treat the IT band stuff, TFL glute men. And then when they're face up, treat the quads and the gracilis. See if I'm wrong. I've, <laughs> I've been doing this quite a while. And um, I basically, you know what? I think how this, ha- how this happened that I kind of settled on a, a protocol without muscle testing the patient is that I used to muscle test a lot more and I would come to the same conclusions over and over and over. Glute is inhibited. Piriformis is tight. IT band abductors are weak. Quads are tight. You know, if I like do a quad length test, their hip is coming up off the, off the table, you know, so rec fem is definitely involved. You know, over and over and over, here you are muscle testing and you're coming to the same conclusion for most people. After a while, you just start saying, okay, it's a human being in my office, their glutes are shut off. Their abductors are too tight. Their quads are too tight. Their adductors are too tight. And you just start, you start just basically start treating most people for the same patterns because they need it. And I don't know, I've heard criticism that you're over-treating. And I don't believe in over-treating when you're talking about the human body inhibition and muscle shortening. Because if you try to tell me that it's too many needles, um, if you're treating, for instance, a muscle that doesn't test as weak. I'm gonna say it's just subclinical inhibition or subclinical shortening. It's on its way to a pathological state. It's gonna get there. Maybe it's gonna take 10 years to get there, but why are we gonna wait when we can improve their flexibility, improve their muscle recruitment, Um improve their posture and their just general sense of well-being. Um, I remember when I was in acupuncture school and started receiving treatment of motor points and how how much more, um, how can I say it, flexible? I don't know if I want to say flexible. How much more loose I felt. I didn't feel as stiff. I didn't feel as reluctant to squat down and pick up after my dog or pick up my keys after dropping them. Little things like that, quality of life. And so that's how I talk about it with my patients too. I'll say, okay, well, you know, first visit, I'm going to just focus on your pain. Eventually, let's start thinking about how we can improve your quality of life. Because even though you came in for your low back, I see how tight your traps are, how tight your neck is. You just live with that. And you've accepted it as part of life. And you don't have to accept that. And we can improve on that. And you can feel way better. And people dig it. They want to feel better. so They just don't know what's possible. So I try to present that to them as like a possibility. I know you don't have neck pain, but do you see how tight you are? And wouldn't you love it if that didn't feel tight all the time? And you didn't feel stressed out because your upper traps are so locked up. Um, so you can call it overtreating, I'm calling it quality of life. So I don't believe any of those muscles are being overtreated. They're already they're already too short or they're already inhibited or they're on their way to being inhibited. So I would say moving forward, oh and so then that's the other thing that you can present to your patients when the challenge is that they feel better after one visit or two visits. you know, Make you wanna go back to TCM where you can sell them a package of 20, tell them they're not even gonna feel good until the 10th visit. Um, Start talking to them about quality of life and how you can improve their mobility, their quality of life. Um, Because it is challenging when you're good. It's challenging when you get good results to have patients returning regularly, like once a week or twice a week like you did when you weren't getting any results at all. Um, you can make a lot more money when your treatments don't work. So, um, so you can start talking about um, quality of life as the other thing they should be considering coming back for mobility and just feeling good. Okay, I went on and on. Oh, it's almost 30 minutes, I don't normally talk that long. Okay, so bring on the haters. I I will talk to you guys later.